Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Political State Podcast from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder here in the Oklahoman's podcast studio in the downtown newsroom. This week, Governor Kevin Stitt reached his 100-day mark, which is traditionally a chance to assess the start of a new term in office. Carmen Foreman, who covers Governor Stitt for the Oklahoman, is with us to talk about that. But first, the 2020 race for Oklahoma's 5th Congressional District officially became a contested race as State Senator Stephanie Bice announced her candidacy as a Republican. And she'll no doubt face a contested primary, but she came out swinging against Representative Kendra Horn and showed she intends to paint Horn as a supporter of, quote, far-left socialist agendas. That's Bice's words, not mine. And joining us to discuss it is actually the person who broke this story yesterday for the Oklahoman, or today actually, is uh, Chris Castile. And so, Chris, first off, um, you know, you broke the news about Bice running for Congress. Were you kind of surprised her messaging because she's really trying to paint Horn as that, you know, Pelosi Democrat who's taking uh, her district too far to the left no um actually ben i think this is going to be the game plan nationwide in these districts that uh, democrats won in 2018 that were um, carried by trump in 2016 the focus will be a lot of the focus for the for the republican challengers trying to win these seats back will be some of these democratic freshmen who are way you know way far to the left really of the of the democratic party but get a lot of attention um Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez is obviously the most prominent of these, but even some of the presidential candidates, you know, um, run on Medicare for all are promising. You know, the Bernie Sanders types, who you know is, he says, a democratic socialist. So I, I think they're just going to pound that home. I, you know, I was, um, I did a bunch of town halls with congressmen um, a few weeks ago. And there are so many questions about socialism. It was, I, I think I led with it when I did a story on it. You know, as a, a woman screaming about socialism, the spread of socialism in America. So this was always going to be. There was to, to um, portray them as, a, as on that extreme of their party. You know, Pelosi's not even there. Yeah. Well, I want to ask about Bice. But first, I mean, is that... Is that an accurate depiction of Horn? Because you talk about some of these freshman lawmakers that are getting a lot of attention for being, you know, pretty far left. But I don't that doesn't seem to be Horn's M.O. I mean, I think some see her as a fairly, you know, moderate congresswoman. Um, How how would you assess Horn on the political spectrum? So (laughs) it's so relative, isn't it? I mean, how I assess her, I'm I'm not sure that I could, in in her four months, in uh, less than four months in Congress, label her right now. There are plenty of people in Oklahoma who would label her as far left, you know, because of the votes on, you know, the guns, um, background checks, on on the H.R. 1, which was this kind of sweeping campaign finance reform uh, measure, and on other votes. But I I did a story a few weeks ago about these votes that she's made with Republicans, mainly on procedural um, issues. And and I I think at least part of her rationale on those votes was to kind of distance herself from the party but they were just they were ones that would be hard to explain really if you if you had voted against the republican procedural vote given the you know the reasoning behind some of them it would have been hard for her to to justify those votes but i 
you know, like I said, moderate's kind of in the eye of the beholder. It's it's hard to put anybody on a spectrum these days. Yeah. Well, and, and Bice is someone that it was interesting seeing some of the reaction from some people online. And, you know, Chris, you and I were talking about our Twitter feeds, not by our own doing, but our maybe lean to the left. And that may just be the nature of Twitter, while Facebook may be a little different. So a lot of those who are Horn supporters, you know, criticizing Bice for her criticism of Horn, that's to be expected. And some kind of throwing a jab at Senator Bice by saying, you know, that they kind of saw her as a moderate. And now here she was coming yeah. off really right wing. Do you remember it, this happened with Mick Cornette yeah, last exactly, year? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So um, it's like you said, it's always in the eye of the beholder. And Carmen, I don't know if you've been here long enough to know what kind of, uh, you know, how Senator Bice is viewed in, in the Senate legislature. I don't know if you've got a, a take I, on that yet. I mean, she worked with uh, Senator Floyd on this rape kit, you know, the expansion and um, centralization of rape kits in the state. I mean, it seems like she has worked with Democrats on a number of occasions, um, but she can't win in a primary if she's a moderate. Yeah. Well, and she was instrumental in the liquor modernization, which for some people is a pretty kind of liberal thing to do. I mean, right. I mean, especially for some of those kind of maybe um, old, old traditional Baptist populations that you see in the state. Um, and even some people were saying, Hey, you, you know, you did this on, on liquor modernization, not to say that, you know, only Democrats drink. <laughs> That's not, not the case. But once again, it kind of goes back to that kind of eye in the eye of the beholder. Right. Um, so, we expect that Bice is going to – it's going to be a contested primary for the Republicans. I, 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 I think no doubt. And um, so what do you think the game plan – I mean, you know, you talk about her trying to paint Horn, you know, as this Pelosi Democrat. Um, and she did vote for Pelosi, and for many Republicans, that's enough to, yeah, to label yeah. Those are very you – know, they'll, yeah. they'll say yeah. that was our very first vote <laughs> yeah. in the House. Um, even though the majority did. <clears throat> um what is she going to try to offer, do you think? I mean, in terms of policy-wise, what is she going to try to run on? Or is it just going to be in opposition to the to the Democratic majority? Senator Bias, what yeah. will she try to run on? I, I think that she will – I think that she'll say that um, that they'll, they may have, a, like, a better way on health care, you know, that, that um, their priorities will be um, – Tax or more tax reform, those kinds of things. things. Immigration, I, it, it's you know that's obviously a huge, huge, huge issue with Republicans and nationwide, but in this state, you, know, mm-hmm. you just hear it all the time, no matter where you go. That'll be interesting. She didn't in her announcement even address immigration that I could, uh, you know, in, in a clear way. So I think that's going to be an interesting issue for her because you know, that really is one of the clearest kind of demarcation lines right now, you know. And in a primary, I think they'll all be pretty conservative. They'll have to be pretty conservative on that. Even you know, mm-hmm. Cornette last year um, in the in the runoff came out and said that he was with Trump on on immigration. I don't think a Republican could say that he wasn't and and win in a primary. So I I, I think it, it on the positive side, it will be building a wall. You know, that's what they talk about. It'll be maybe free trade. Um, but I think a lot of it's going to be on the negative side. Yeah. And this is still, a re- by vote count, a Republican district. It is. Registered by registration. Uh, it is. It's a blue district because of Horn holding the seat. Um, you know, Horn, as well as a lot of female candidates across the country, did very well in 2018. Um, you know, and, and part of Horn's success came in, you know, mobilizing female voters, especially kind of in the northwest part of the metro, which Bice represents. I mean, is there a thinking you, you feel like for Republicans that – if we are going to have a good shot, we need kind of a, a strong female I, I, candidate. I, I definitely think she was probably the right profile. Um, and, and you raise a good point. Um, 
in my mind, there's no way that Kendra Horn could have won the 5th District without Republican support. It's a majority Republican district. And, you know, given the the turnout, we knew it was a high turnout, but Mm -hmm. then, you know, we see just, you know, uh, the the incredible increase uh, um, from the census figures uh, that came out yesterday about it and the women participation. Um, You have to think that of those Republicans who voted for Horn, most of them were probably women. I'd say, you know, mm-hmm. guessing. Yeah. By far, the, you know, were women. And so next year, you have Trump on the ballot again, as presu- mm-hmm. presumably, who is not real popular with women. And so, how does that how does that work out? I mean, so you have you have let's let's say St- uh, Stephanie Bice type opponent for Kendra Horn. Is that a tough decision for them? I don't know. It depends on how closely Bice has to align herself with Trump. Mm-hmm. And I would think that in the primary, every Republican candidate will have to align his, himself or herself with, with Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, and so for some of those, you know, female Republicans who decided not to support Trump or voted in 18 kind of against Trump, um, there might have been a lot of reasons. But one is because of kind of his... His, his relationship, his his you know demeanor towards women. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting to see next year. Does that become a big storyline again? And how does Bice handle that? that that's right? exactly what I'm saying. I mean, what what does she say? I mean, if if she has to go through the primary supporting Trump and his policies, what, what does she say in the general? Yeah, uh, Carmen. What can we expect? What what votes should we be watching for in the remainder of the legislative session? That now will be interesting to judge Bice through the eyes of a uh, through the lens of being a congressional candidate. There's not going to be tax increases on the table like there were last year, but I'm just curious: is, is there anything that you see coming down the pike? That you're like, all right, well now we have to give this a little extra attention, given the fact that Bice is running for Congress now. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I can't remember which chamber it's in, but probably the pay raises for teachers could be a very decisive vote for her. Um, I think a lot of Republicans are on board with that. But, you know, there's still some contingent of Republicans that say, oh, well, teachers got an average $6,000 pay increase last year. Why are we giving them more raises? Um, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, there's but. not, there's not uh, Constitutional carry she already voted for. Yeah. Um, and isn't there a, an abortion bill that's still uh, um, alive out there? It went to the governor's desk already. So no more votes on that. But there might be... Is that the ballot question one? The oh. one that the treat, yeah, treat the treat one. There. I believe that's that, still that's, out there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which and I mean, and these aren't you know constitutional carry. Uh, you know, these uh, a pro life bill. I mean, these aren't hard votes for her to take. I mean, this probably matches her the way that she you know views views the world, and also is good for her in running for office. Well, and she she said in her announcement that she was strong, you know, very pro NRA or ninety three percent rating pro, from the NRA. Yeah, exactly, and pro. Which is that enough these pro-life. days? I mean, ninety three percent. That's actually that seems kind of low sometimes. Seven percent against is sometimes something to you know you'll be targeted for that one. Yeah, um, but yeah, so maybe not a lot of big votes this year, and who knows what comes comes next year. Um, but uh, but now you know she's a, she's a candidate for Congress, and so that's another thing that she'll have to kind of kind of have to juggle. It, she's the first to officially announce, other than Horn. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other names that you're going to be watching? The, the biggest one is Mick Cornette, um, and he he can afford to hang. You know, just just wait a little while everybody knows who he is and you know he would be able to raise money probably pretty quickly i don't know how long he can wait um you know i I would think that he has to decide in the next few months if he's going to because people are going to be choosing up sides um you know pretty quickly um so 
Treat said he's not doing it, right? Correct. I, I actually yeah. never, I didn't hear his own, his name until he just said he's not doing it. Yeah. Um, but there are some others that I've heard that, that pop up every now and then. A uh, longtime Republican uh, personality here, Terry Neese. Um, um, and, and Cornette has run for the seat before. He ran in 2006 and uh, got beat by Mary Fallon in the runoff. Yeah. So is this, uh, I mean, of course, I don't know that I don't imagine that Cornette would have planned to run for the seat. He planned to be governor at this time last year. Is this just uh, I mean, do you feel like he still just has the political bug or I mean, it's just, well, it's he's just, he hasn't responded to any inquiries about it as far as I know from the media. So I don't know if he's got the political bug or not. I think the last time we heard him speak about politics was at his you know watch party on the when he got beat by Kevin Stid and said, this is the last time you're going to see me on a ballot. So you know, I don't, I don't, I doubt he's real enthusiastic about doing it. Um, so we'll just see. I mean, it, it seems like he hasn't really landed mm-hmm. anywhere since leaving the mayor's office. I mean, he had that campaign to run um, through the summer of 2018, but since then, I think he's just been kind of on a book tour. And he made, uh, you know, there was some talk about him maybe becoming president of the University of Central Oklahoma. That didn't work out. So. And he announced this week that he's going to work for a PR firm here in Oklahoma City, but it was not real clear exactly what he's going to be doing there. Yeah, uh, and that uh, that very announcement using some of the same language that he used in his own announcement that may not have been quite <laughs> accurate <laughs> with, with the 100,000 job oh, yeah. kind of thing. Um, real quick as we wrap up a conversation about the congressional race, um, you know, going back to Horn for a moment, um, you know, what's going to be the most challenging aspect for her? I mean, you know, you could say on one hand she kind of rode, you know, the anti-Trump vote into office in some ways, but at the same time, she, there's there's Trump supporters in the in the fifth district. Um, I feel like the the Mueller report and how it's landed has it has kind of landed in, in, a, in a a decent way for her. The you know the Democratic controlled House doesn't seem to be barreling towards impeachment proceedings, and, and Pelosi has says she doesn't think that's a great idea. I imagine that's going to be pretty similar to how Horn is going to tackle this issue. I, right? I, I, I doubt Horn wants him to impeach. Well, no, I know. I so doubt, she's yeah. probably saying like, "Hey, this is not this is not good. It's alarming." But hey, we've got a he's on the ballot in twenty twenty. Let's just focus on that. Um, so I think it, going forward for Horn, you know, wh- one thing I should mention about her um, in this in in her first few months in office is how much money she raised. And if you go through her report, um, you know, donor by donor, it, it is overwhelmingly Oklahomans. Um, you know, which is and you you would think, okay, so you know. The, that's the way it should be, but it's not the way that it is. If you go through, say, you know, one of the other member, one of the other delegation members' reports in the first quarter of a non-election year, it may not, it may be almost all political action. It may be all special interest money for the most part. But Horn collected more money. I think about three hundred seventy thousand dollars in the first quarter, more than any other member of the delegation, including Jim Inhofe, um, a senator, who's up for re-election, who's running again. So she. Her support is 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 there. It's deep. I mm-hmm. mean, she w- and it's not going to be a money race anyway. I think both the national parties will get involved in this. There'll be plenty of money um, spent in this district on that race. But the money is a sign of support. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. It it and th- those people who gave to her, you know, I, I, that this early, I, I think it's significant. Yeah, that, that she's raised that money. You know, so much they 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 know that they need to protect this seat. 
Yeah, well, that's a great point. I mean, Republicans may feel like this is their seat to win back, but the reality is, is the Horn is now the incumbent, and there's some you know powers that come with that a fundraising advantage. And mm-hmm. just now, she has the opportunity to run as the incumbent, and and that puts her in a strong a strong position. And, and you know, we don't know what what Cornette's going to do, but I mean, Stephanie Bay starts from scratch. Mm-hmm. She has nothing. She can't. I think she has close to a hundred thousand dollars in her state account, but she can't use a dime of it for a federal raise. Yeah. And if it's a, I mean, if there's a Republican primary, they're going to use a lot of their money attacking each other first before they spend a dollar attacking horn and then the nr then the national republicans come in after that so again i don't think it'll but you're right yeah it's uh, maybe something that Cornette is thinking about again do i want to go through another (laughs) challenge he probably is yeah not real eager again um with the opportunity with the prospects of maybe not making it pass so uh although i imagine that if he does enter the race i mean he would i don't know who would be considered a front runner but you know like you said Cornette would have the money he's got the name recognition i mean bice is kind of a known you know leader in the senate but i mean he's the former mayor longtime mayor and and he won that and you know he he won won this area for uh I mean, I think it's safe to say he won the 5th District against Stitt, which one last thing I want to say about this race before we move on to, to Stitt is that Vice hired her um, oh, campaign yeah. consultant who was not really a known in Oklahoma before. You know, by the time Stitt got in, I think a lot of the Oklahoma consultants that had experience in Oklahoma had already been taken by, you know, the Mick Cornettes, the Lambs. And um, so I think the only reason that Bice even knew who uh, Cam Savage of Indiana was was because of Stitt's campaign. You, know, you had this guy, you know, Kevin Stitt, who nobody knew mm-hmm. at all, the political outsider, defeat all these well-known candidates on the way to become a governor. So that's is that, that indica- that's her. Is that an indication that Stitt is going to be supportive of Bice? Do you think? I don't know. I doubt it. I, I doubt he'll. We don't get think he's be supportive of Cornette. I. I, don't, I <laughs> Most most Republican elected officials are try to stay away yeah. from in-state primaries yeah. know, of their party. Yeah. Although she would be – it would be I think it would be interesting to watch a, a Bice-Cornette primary race because I think even if Stitt's not publicly saying he endorses anybody, I mean, I imagine Bice will try to attach herself to a popular governor. Who right. knows what he'll look like a year yeah. from now, but a popular governor who's already had some Republican wins and – I don't know that Cornette will. <laughs> I mean, spending you know spending almost a year attacking Stitt is kind of puts you in an interesting position where you're not necessarily a couple months trying to spend it. I mean, yeah, nobody really yeah. attacked him. Yeah, it was really just in the runoff with the Bullstitt stuff. But uh, they didn't really. Um, they're not buddies now. No. Yeah, I mean, you know, Cornette didn't come right out and no. endorse Stitt after the runoff. He didn't. So yeah, it'll be interesting. <laughs> For our sake, I hope it. <laughs> I hope Cornette runs. I think it'd just be an interesting story. But um, well, let's move on to to Governor Stitt, who hit that 100 day mark. Um, you know, we've talked about you know what he's gotten done over the last few months already on this episode, agency reform, giving those, that power that he wanted. Um, it seems like it's been a pretty. I mean, if you were on this, if if your team Stitt, this has been a. You know, I know you weren't here from the beginning of it, Carmen, but I mean, it's hard to really feel like he's had many political missteps and he's he's achieved some of the big lifts that he's wanted to especially some of those that you feel like he probably needed to get done in these first hundred days before before too long yeah he's definitely made his mark and you haven't seen we haven't seen him stumble at all really i mean i I think think he was probably most heavily criticized for signing the constitutional carry bill but he before that i think he did the agency reform he signed into law the marijuana unity bill i mean there was a lot of bipartisanship on a couple other items. So um, I think he's made progress. Um, and obviously the agency reform, the bringing those 
major agencies under his control. That was a big part of his campaign. And to cross that promise right off the list that I think that helped boost his um, his profile. Well, I thought was interesting is your story on Tuesday talking about um, his first 100 days. The quote from uh, Representative Virgin, the the minority leader in the House, uh, you know, she said that they were disappointed in him, but she just pointed to the fact that the education budget wasn't done, which is kind of in the hands of the legislature right now and is never done till the end of the session, um, and that they hadn't made any improvements in health care. I, I just it was there weren't a lot of direct targeted attacks. Maybe maybe that's just a, a, a fault of hers or maybe it's just that right now he's not giving the Democrats much to hang on except for a few things. The constitutional carry Democrats were against, but many Republicans praised him for. Um, I don't know. I mean, Chris, you spent a lot of time covering the campaign and, and are still kind of following, I imagine, his, his time in office. I mean, kind of what's your assessment of his first few months? I, I, I think that he's, he has, he's done a remarkable amount that he promised, actually. I mean, some of which was, was obviously had to be the work of the legislature. Um, but, you know, he, um, going back to early in the campaign, you know, I listened to him over and over talk about, you know, agency reform, giving more executive power. This is a guy who came out of the private sector, a CEO, you know, um, who is used to having control over, mm-hmm. you know, all, all functions of his business and uh, confused and, uh, you know, just bewildered by the whole idea that you have all these agencies at the government. So he, the legislature was on board with that. They got that done quickly. Um, Beyond that, you know, I think that what, what Stitt has done out there really is is kind of infused the building with some energy, you know. I mean, it just – after the last few years, there was mm-hmm. – I mean, you know how the yeah. mood was out there. I mean, people – just enthusiasm for anything was flagging. And a lot of that had to do with the budget rather than the, than the chief executive. But he, he, he goes at things, I think, with, you know, kind of openly and honestly and – I think it sometimes it comes across that he that he is willing to listen. You know, he has all these um, lawmakers over to the mansion, right, for lunches. Yep, and not breakfasts. N- and breakfast, not to talk strategy, but just to talk. Mm-hmm. I think so. It that's that's part of leadership. I mean, it's not just what legislation did you sign today. You know, I mean, I think it's it's also showing, you know, that that you're that you're willing to bring everybody else, listen to them, let them have input, and then let's move forward together. Which I think is what he also talked about a lot. I mean, he would say, again, almost every campaign speech I heard, I've already been meeting with the legislators. Mm-hmm. I've called yeah. every single. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. He'd say, yeah. I called every single one of them. Yeah, and. Uh, Apparently he did. You know, apparently he's still doing it. Yeah. Of course, he hasn't faced a teacher walkout or right. a, a budget shortfall or an election year. I exactly. mean, a, a things that Fallon has had to go through. That's but right. he does seem a little bit more willing to get in the thick of it in a mm-hmm. way that Fallon kind of was kind of behind the scenes a lot during some of those most tumultuous times. I mean, he doesn't seem right now to to shy away from saying, hey, if there's some turbulence, I want to get into the thick of it and try to see if I can I can solve yeah, this. Yeah, I think one of the, the – the photographs that I'll remember most from um, this first hundred days is him shaking hands with the the Muslim woman on the floor yeah. of the Senate. Yeah, but during the yeah during the Muslim Day at yeah. the Capitol, something that Fallon had never done. She had never agreed to. She had never met with them, and he went into the chamber knowing that he's probably going to get his picture taken doing that. And this is this is again at a time when, because of some freshman members of Congress, you have this kind of renewed. Um, 
distrust, I think, mm-hmm. in the in some of the yeah. towns that I've been to, uh, you know, of Muslims. Yeah. And he probably feels like he's got the momentum and the support that that's not going to, you know, if this was Drew Edmondson who had won and he had done that, there's probably a lot of some Republicans who had said, I told you, see, he's, you know, but Stitt does it. He gets a pass for, for reasons that we know. But um, I think, you know, one thing that's interesting, and I've said this before, I've even said this to them, I think he was on the podcast several weeks ago, um, he still kind of has this kind of like aw shucks mentality. Yeah. And and I think it's real, but I think he's also learned that it's politically advantageous to where I remember when he signed, when he had the press conference, I believe it was the press conference to announce that they had got a deal on the agency reform and how they're going to structure the boards and giving him the higher and fire power. And there had been some reports, we had reported that there had been some turmoil between the House and the Senate. And this was a chance to kind of show they were all on the same page. And somebody asked, like, well, where are the Democrats? And he's like, well, I don't even know what Democrat, you know, I don't know Democrats or Republicans. Now, first off, you need to know who Democrats and Republicans are to be successful in that office. I'm sure he knows who the Republicans and Democrats are. Um, and some Democrats, you know, some of his critics took that line as like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. I think it's endearing to a lot of people. I think it's one of the reasons why he got some the, some of the support that he did, that he's saying, hey, I'm not here to play these partisan games, even though this was a very partisan moment. It was all the Republicans sitting, standing behind him. I mean, it doesn't get more partisan than that. But here he was saying like, hey, I'm just trying to do good government. I mean, in just kind of this like <laughs> basic sense. And I think he has seen success in that and is continuing to carry. I, I, it may be authentic, but it, I think it's also, you know, politically advantageous for him and probably a smart strategy. I, I've yet, you know, I didn't really experience um, – Except for, I think, the first press conference he did after the, uh, the negative ad started about his company, any, any much evidence of him being really thin-skinned at all. I mean, yeah. he seems to be able to um, kind of roll with stuff and, uh, and move on. And, and I, I think one of the uh, most remarkable stories I've ever heard on, uh, in, in any campaign was at a forum – um, with uh, him and Cornette and Edmondson, I think, and he got the they got the cliche question: "What's your what's the biggest mistake you ever made?" Mm-hmm. And you know, rather than say something about policy or you know something um, that that would actually wind up sounding like a a, a good thing, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he told this this story about um, uh, an employee at Gateway, his mortgage company in Tulsa, giving his notice to, that he was going to leave, and I guess Stitt was really upset about it that that this guy was leaving felt like you know hey you know um he's moving to a different Mm -hmm. company in florida i guess and stitt took it took it bad at first and they parted the guy left and they parted on pretty bad terms and it just it it nodded at stitt you know that they had left on bad terms and so he, he made he made himself call this guy in florida and go hey i'm just really sorry about how everything ended you know and um, it, it's hard to kind of bust through the cynicism of some people when it yeah. comes to politics. But that was like one of the most genuine stories, as I say, I've ever heard. And, and you know, I, when I tell people that story and, and their varying reactions to it, I go, well, just, you know, just ask yourself how many times that you were in the position to do something like that and did it. Mm-hmm. You know, like where you did really feel bad about something, but how many times did you actually pick up the phone? And I think what it, what it represents in him and he told me later when I was asking about this story that it's just something he got from his father. You know, that's mm-hmm. his father, the preacher. What it represents, I think, is is he doesn't want to let, like, the things, you know, kind of eat at him and, like, the past can control him in any way. He, you know how he's always yeah. talking about moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, that, that really is who he is, that he's not going to have these kind of resent let these resentments build up. 
you know, to where you can't function, can't deal with some people, can't function with them. Yeah. No, that's a great. Yeah, I remember you telling us that story and that, uh, I mean, yeah, I think that's, you know, like you said, a lot of people are going to be cynical, like, oh, you know, that's just a, you know, something you say on the campaign trail. Yeah. But, you know. But you don't. No, you don't. You don't hear stories yeah. like that on the campaign. Well, and, I, and like I said, I think, I think his kind of, um, the thing that was interesting in these first 100 days was, you know, of, of course, you know, the question is, it gonna, are you going to change the office? Is the office going to change you? He hasn't seemed to become hardened mm-hmm. yet. You know, like I said, he hasn't gone through a lot of turmoil yet. Right. And it's still early on, and he'll have plenty of crises that we'll be able to really judge him through. Um, but he seems to be somewhat of that kind of... I'm trying to choose my words carefully here, but kind of, and I mean this in a, not in a bad way, but kind of a still kind of, you know, goofy down home, you know, guy as much as you can for someone of his means. But I mean, just kind of, you know, down to earth guy that I think played well in the campaign, plays well in the building of the Capitol. Um, and that's probably how he truly, truly leads. Uh, he came in, Carmen, if you were around for this, I mean, you, you were in the video studio when he came in a couple of days ago to talk talk with us. And, you know, he's walking through the newsroom and just turned around and yelled out like, hey, newsroom, what's going on? I mean, just like that. Because I've been doing this for 100 days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is not, you know, you're going to not necessarily get a positive response just yelling out in the newsroom. Yeah. Most working. people didn't even look yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> but just kind of, uh, I don't know. Just didn't phase <laughs> him. He was still smiling. No, I know. That's, <laughs> that's, the, that's something you expect to see the day after an election win when you come into the newsroom. It's not something you necessarily see 100 days in or a year in. We'll see what happens a year in. But I think he likes those sorts of things, the meeting and greeting of people a lot more than maybe some of the actual tediousness of government. I think um, I could see some frustration on his part at how slow government actually moves. I mean, like, take, for example, some of these confirmations that the Senate is doing on his nominees for his cabinet or agency directors or whatever. You know, in some cases, those people start working even before they're confirmed, but it, it kind of holds up the process until they are confirmed. And I could totally see him being a little frustrated by just how that process takes a while. Whereas if you're a CEO and you say, all right, I want you to be my chief deputy CEO, um, you start Monday, then boom, very quick, very easy. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm really curious to see when those, when he runs into that wall with the legislature on issues, at what point does he actually kind of pull the trigger on flexes muscle as the governor? Because we haven't really seen that yet, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, we've, we haven't seen him come out and say, I'm trying to get this done for you, Oklahoma, but the legislature, which is, you know, his party is controlling it. The legislature is standing in the way. And, uh, you know, he's got a bully pulpit that he hasn't really used in that way yet. I'm sure he'll get the opportunity, though. And the other thing that we, I guess we need to hear from him is more of a plan, you know, more of an agenda. I mean, if he's going to tick all these things off, what's next? Yeah. And he hasn't really – this hasn't been about creating policy. It's about – the first 100 days about putting himself in a position to mm-hmm. create the policy. I mean, being able to control, you know, the largest state agencies. Now it's on his shoulders right. to get it done. Yeah, he's going to own it from now on. And the, you know, the teacher pay one, we've talked about this before. I mean, I, you know, I think that was initially just a miscalculation of what the walkout was about, but he stuck with it. He owned it. He got the support for it. He's pushing that through. Not to say that that's ever easy, but, you know, when you've got some money to work with this year, it's a little bit easier to get done. What's he going to do with the education budget? What's he going to do with, with a legislature that doesn't necessarily want to put as much money away in savings as he does? So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, maybe the budget uh, what the budget that arrives at his desk will be his first chance to really, you know, flex his muscle. But it uh, ha- hasn't happened quite yet. So, Well, um, 
that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Political State Podcast. Lots of things to continue to follow, not just it, but this uh, congressional, uh, fifth congressional district race, which is just now starting to heat up. It seems, it seems like we're far away, but I guess just <laughs> next year. You said next year, and I was like, no, it's not next year. <laughs> yeah, it is, 2020. It's next year. I, I mean, look the you look at the Democratic uh, presidential primary, I mean, we're they're in the heat of it. Yeah. Now. I mean. Yeah, so it's this, yeah, it, we're, yeah we're, we're, we're in the thick of it. These are very relevant full topics time to be talking about now. for those yeah. who think it's too early. So, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. You can find each and every episode of the Political State Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. You can also find us on the Oklahomans YouTube page. With Carmen and Chris, I'm Ben. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week. <laughs>